He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Terry Dunmura is our very special guest, and she's an award-winning filmmaker, and she's the co-creator of the great Unsolved Mysteries, and uh, and we're going to discuss volume three of this uh, highly successful show. It's it's one of the best shows on uh, on TV, one of the best series, and uh, it's uh, it's upon us. Uh, The new uh, season is uh, is upon us, and uh, it is uh, just absolutely can't miss. And uh, again, they uh, who better to talk to than Terry? Terry Dunmura, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, listen, thrilled to have you. And uh, if you can, give us a little bit of the genesis of this series. And you know, I don't mean just what you're doing now, but uh, th- this is this is a home run every which way you look at it. Uh, a critical success. The fans love it. The uh, um, I'm sure Netflix uh, loves it. Uh, how did this come to you? Uh, when or did somebody come to you uh, and say, "Hey, can you develop something along this lines?" How did this all develop from the beginning? You know, um, we had produced some some specials about missing missing children and missing adults back in the '80s, and uh, those specials um, actually located some of these missing people. And it was like, "Oh, wow! Well, maybe we can help solve mysteries and not just missing persons cases, but..." But murders and you know, robberies, and so we just we just came up with every type of mystery we could possibly think of, and created unsolved mysteries around that, um, so that we always present a variety of mysteries. And this in this volume that's coming up, we have nine different cases, and we have a mix of unexplained deaths and paranormal cases. We have a UFO and a ghost um, case. Um, we have a wanted case. We have a missing case. So we try to, to give the viewers a variety of mysteries. And we choose mysteries that we hope are solvable, that or where, where tips can, where law enforcement really, really feels like there's there's somebody out there that knows um, what happened, and we're always looking for that person to come forward. Yeah, it's just uh, amazing work that you've done, and uh, the impact that this series has had. But I mean, just just tremendous work. Uh, give us the latest. Uh, give us uh, what what is upon us now and what we could see right now well um the, the there's three episodes that launch uh on tuesday the, the 18th um one of those is the story of a, of a woman who was hit by a train and the question is was this foul play or was it a suicide she's 18 years old with no no suicidal ideation uh, we have a ufo case in michigan and we have a wanted case a woman who Allegedly, uh, but she's a fugitive in justice. U.S. Marshals are looking for her, um, killed her boyfriend. So that's on. That's that's what we have on the uh, the 18th, and then on the 25th we have a mysterious death in a Las Vegas hotel, where we go then to the Navajo Nation, and there's some, a, a couple of paranormal rangers um, who have the week. Well, we call them paranormal rangers. They're they're rangers, uh, Navajo rangers who have been investigating paranormal activity and we have a missing person 20 year old missing person case where we're presenting new information um in that case it's a case out of um, minnesota and then in batch three on november 1st we have uh, an unexplained death case in tampa bay in the tampa bay area man who went out on his boat and was um 
just he, he disappeared, but then his body was found. You know, I think nine days later, we have a ghost story, and then we have um, a story, two families actually, parental abduction cases where a parent has stolen uh, their their children and are somewhere in the world, and we're hoping those cases can be solved. Terry, let me ask you about the the UFO uh, show that not not only the one coming up, but in general, uh, are people starting to look at these differently now that the government has chimed in? And acknowledged, uh, at least to to a certain degree, that there's uh, there's government investigations into this is a departure from a- anywhere we've ever been historically, uh, I believe. Anyway, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but is is it changing um, the the outlook on the shows that you've done on the UFO? Have you felt any of that yet? Yeah, I we've. It's interesting because I think more people are coming forward now. People who never said anything because they were afraid they were going to be laughed at. In um, volume one, we did a show called Berkshire UFO, and we got thirty-five people came contacted us. I'm sure there's more out there, but thirty-five contacted us and said that they had seen uh, seen the UFO on the same night that these other people had. So I think people are less less afraid to come forward um and the stories we try and do have a, are very credible um the the case in the first batch of episodes is um it's very credible it's a national weather service um guy who tracked this ufo for hours and we, he kind of has the documentation for that so um yeah i think people are much more open to it now that the government's opening up about it the the impact that this show has had and again i'm looking from the outside in uh i'm assuming uh, that uh, that you've gotten a lot of these calls off of it, and and it's interesting. You've gotten 35, and I'm I'm sure like credible, you know, uh, things that uh, pass the the smell test and the um, and and the and the giggle test. You're talking about 35 um, responses off of uh, out of out of that uh, characterization, at, at least from where I'm saying. Uh, are you are you seeing more and more um, the the work that you do? Uh, you know, lead to, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, maybe others. I know there's a lot of people ever since you you started uh, a couple of seasons ago, I'm starting to see more people and they're kind of imitating what what you're doing. And I watch, I've watched all your, uh, you know, all your shows and I'm starting to see people kind of follow and and change according to what you've done. And by the way, I know there's a lot of people who do it very well, but you guys, uh, you, you must be noticing that. There's a. I don't think that it seems like viewers out there uh, can't get enough true crime. That's for sure. Uh, there are just so many, so many different different shows out there. A lot of those are cases that are already solved, and and they're you know, presenting them as solved cases. And this is what happened. Uh, I think that the thing about unsolved mysteries that um, that makes people want to go back and look at the old episodes over and over again is that is that they aren't solved, and they they are you know you just find yourself talking about them. What happened here? Everybody has their favorite case that, that they remember. Uh, I mean, we've done everything from well all these different categories of mysteries, you know, spontaneous combustion, you know, um, we've done, we've done it all. And I think that, but people still talk about that. I don't know, is spontaneous combustion possible? Um, so I think that's what keeps the show so alive and so, so talked about is because, and then when we solve a case, then, then there's, there's, the um, there's, there's that, there's the success of that. And, uh, I think people get excited that we, when we've solved cases as well. So I think that's what I think that's what the energy is around unsolved mysteries. 
Uh, Terry, I, I want to congratulate you on everything that you're doing and your, your people and everything you're doing. Just great work. Uh, and you've been awarded for it and everything else. Can you give us a website or a social media site uh, we could follow along with what you're doing and Unsolved Mysteries are doing? Yes, uh, unsolved.com is where tips can be submitted, where stories can be submitted, um, and um, social media, it's all its all there. That would be the, the place to go. Updates from previous uh, episodes uh, are, are there as well. And then, then kind of story summary for the upcoming episodes in Volume 3. Terry Dunmura, thank you very much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Award-winning filmmaker and co-creator of Unsolved Mysteries, Terry Dunmuir, has been our very special guest. And, uh, you know, again, uh, true, she's right. So many people are interested in true crime. The difference, and, and again, I, I don't want to out certain people or I don't want to make, um, uh, you know, uh, statements without knowing what they are. But we've had guests on, on this show and on the podcast, uh, true crime-wise, uh, that are doing documentaries and I, I guess right that's where that's where the feel comes from is uh, these are these are uh, crimes that have yet to be solved and uh, and you know I, I'm starting to see uh, people kind of follow what Terry Dunn Miura is doing uh, a little more on that and you know again you see a lot on the Mansons and, you, and we do a lot on the Mansons and and you see a lot on on OJ and different things that that we kind of know what happened, even though, even though L, uh, OJ is looking for those two Colombian drug dealers who killed um, his uh, his ex-wife Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman, right? He's still looking for them. Uh, you know, they must be on a golf course somewhere because every time I see him, he's got a golf club in his hand. And uh, I, yeah, again, when uh, when you look at all of this, um, people are fascinated by true crime, and and for good reason. It's why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, every every Thursday you could hear us doing it uh, on on the radio and um, and and more coming. You know, uh, there's just so much interest in this. And I get so many emails and texts that uh, they want to they want to see more and do more. You know, we did Lisk, you know, Long Island serial killing, which hasn't been solved yet. But uh, we're very confident that it will be. And the right people are in place uh, for sure. And. For, for you know, listen, uh, we we had our part in that too, helping that along and getting the the guys out that weren't doing the uh, the work on the Long Island serial killing, the Gilgo killing. But uh, anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Terry Dunmura has been our very special guest. She's an award-winning filmmaker and documentary maker, and she's the co-creator of Unsolved Mysteries. And she's discussing her next three episodes that uh, came out, and she gave us a little rundown of that. Uh, great to talk to Terry, and I'm sure we'll talk to her again. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. This is Breaking It Down with your host, Frank McKay, on 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Danelle Dadigan is our very special guest. And she is the president and founder of the Hollywood Museum. And, and what a place. I mean, uh, she, is, uh, uh, she has made that place legendary. And she's, uh, she's uh, had one hell of a career and, uh, and bringing all of this to the people. If you haven't been there, you must go. But uh, today, 
uh, as we welcome uh, Danelle. We're going to be talking about uh, an upcoming authentic closed-door seance to channel ghosts of, uh, of passed-on stars and, uh, and one that we just lost uh, recently, uh, Paul Savino. And, and we've had him, uh, you know, the late, great Paul Savino on the show, and we had his daughter on the show, but um, his, his wife will be participating in this seance, and, uh, boy, that would be, uh, it would be something to, uh, to, to see who, uh, who reaches out and who responds back. But, Danelle, how are you? I am great this morning, Frank. It's so exciting to be on your show. Well, listen, excited to have you. And if um, if you could give me a, a rundown, give all of us a, a rundown of what we could expect, and when is this all? Uh, when is all of this happening? And um, and again, I, I, you could do a much better job of it than I can do, kind of skimming it. Uh, give us an overview. Well, you know, uh, as you said accurately, it will be a seance uh, in the World Factor Max Factor Makeup Studios in the Hollywood Museum. And, you know, um, this is where, for decades, throughout the golden, Hollywood's golden era, uh, all the movie scars came to the Max Factor to get their looks. And it's in the world-famous makeup rooms, the blondes-only room, the redheads-only room, brunettes, brownettes-only room, uh, that Max Factor created these looks for, you know, whether it was Marilyn Monroe, Lucille Ball got her signature red hair, Joan Crawford, Betty Davis, uh, and the list goes on and on. Elizabeth Taylor, uh, and so on October 20th, we are going to be having a seance uh, with a very well-known, recognized medium who, believe it or not, does not want any publicity uh, or anyone to know his name until after the seance but i will tell you uh so this is not your regular nightclub type of you know seance where it's fun and games uh it's the real thing uh and with me will be as you mentioned Didi sorvino Didi and paul are great friends of the hollywood museum in fact paul has even sung opera at the museum. You know, he was a great singer. I don't know if you knew that or not about No, I, I didn't know he was an opera singer. I knew he was a singer, but I didn't know he sang opera. Oh, my goodness, yes. Italian opera. I mean, what else would we expect from, wow, the, right. uh, from the great Paul Sorvino, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Mafia Don, Mafia. But <laughs> um, uh, we're also having uh, from Leave It to Beaver, Jerry Mathers, who played the beaver, yep. is going to be attending... Uh, Ruta Lee from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and Funny Face. Uh, she will be attending. And uh, I love this lady. She's the Grammy-winning recording artist. Frida Payne is going to be joining us. And, you know, uh, additionally, uh, Linda Pearl uh, from Murder, She Wrote. Yeah. And uh, the new Emmy-winning... Yes, yes, and Happy Days, and the new Emmy-winning Paranormal series, After Forever. She's going to be joining us, and several other celebrities who don't want their names out yet until they show up. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. And, they, I, they, and they, they, I've, I've got to believe that you're, you're not surprised by that. You know, people would uh, want to uh, uh, wait and see what happens at a seance, and 
uh, see who else comes and all that. But that's that's quite an all-star cast there. And I've had so many of those folks on Ruta and uh, and and Jerry and um, uh, you know uh, these these people on the show, and they're just fascinating people. Uh, have you done this type of thing before? You know, uh, I will tell you, Frank, that's a great question. Uh, I think that about 10 years ago, we actually had uh, a professional ghostbuster come into the museum, and uh, he had sightings. Now, uh, but we haven't done it since I wanted to uh, have a seance, uh, but that was just before COVID, and when COVID hit, everything sort of, you know, stopped. But now this seems to be the right time and i have to tell you you know i myself have had uh uh encounters i mean i know that rita hayworth and judy garland uh go between uh the brownettes only room and uh somehow go through the wall and come out on the side of the redheads only room uh i know that marilyn has been there in the blondes only room uh and has also been on the second floor of the museum. My director of operations, Eve Nicolmo, has seen Betty Davis, the shadow of Betty Davis, and she's smoking a cigarette, and he sees the puffs of smoke coming out from her silhouette. Wow. So uh, gosh only knows, and I have to tell you, in the lower level, once upon a time during Prohibition days, it used to be a bowling alley and speakeasy where so many of the celebrities uh, from Hollywood's golden era during that decade would come and enjoy themselves. So there's a lot of activity in what we now call our Dungeon of Doom. Uh, listen, just a, a great place. Uh, you know, I've been there, and it's just it's just fascinating uh, every step of the way. I, you just you manage to make it more fascinating, which seems impossible, um, just every step of the way. Uh, what else? Uh, what else can you uh, can you tell us about uh, your experiences with the uh, with the place? I, and certainly, as we're talking paranormal here, the uh, uh, you know along those end, have you uh, personally had uh, had any feel uh, in there? Do you get a uh, do you get a certain feeling? And is it a scary feeling or is it an exciting feeling? A, a warm feeling? Uh, give us a description of how you feel personally. Well, you know, Frank, that is a great question. And, and I have to tell you that I have experienced uh, some sort of, 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 of sensitivity and feeling from almost day one. I remember when uh, we first came to the building uh, and I was sitting behind Max Factor's desk, a very big desk, like a partner's desk, in his office uh, one evening. Uh, I was by myself, and I had rolled out the original set of plans for the building dated uh, uh, the early 1930s. And I was looking to see how we were going to restore these world-famous makeup rooms back to the way it looked in Max Factor's heyday. Uh, you know, he was considered Hollywood's makeup king because all the movie stars came to his world-famous makeup rooms. They walked in looking like you and me and walked out looking like silver screen gods and goddesses. So I was looking to be able to restore this look uh, in this one historic area of the building, and I sensed a presence. I knew I wasn't alone. But like you mentioned, it was not frightening. 
Uh, in fact, it was a warm presence, and this presence returned several times, well, actually more than several times uh, throughout this process, and I believe it was Max Factor, and I think he was happy and is happy uh, that his Max Factor makeup studio building, it's four floors where we have exhibits now throughout. Uh, I think he's happy to see that we celebrate his legacy, celebrate all the glamour and glitz of Hollywood. And I think he's given me his seal of approval well, listen, for it. I'd have to believe that he would uh, approve and anyone else who knows with the work you've done there. Uh, Donnell, before we let you go, a quick website or a social media site where we could follow along with you and the museum. Absolutely. Our website is thehollywoodmuseum.com. And uh, for social media, it's hashtag Hollywood Museum. Donnell Dadigan, uh, very excited to talk to you. As always, thank you very much for being here. Thank you, Frank. Have a fun time. Donnell Dadigan, everyone, is the president and founder of the Hollywood Museum, and uh, they have this upcoming seance, and it's a closed-door seance, uh, uh, channeling ghosts of passed-on stars, and you heard the list of folks that are going to be there. I, I've got to believe it's it's videoed, right? There's going to be cameras there. Uh, i got to believe that. Um, so, you know, we'll be seeing more and more about that. They're doing it on, the, uh, on October 20th. And uh, they have a top medium who is not uh, revealing herself. I think she said her, right? So herself. And, uh, you know, again, who knows who the top medium is, right? And, uh, and you know, we'll see, uh, we'll see how they go. Did, did she say she? I think she said she. But anyway, um, always interesting. Uh, and so many people into the paranormal. And uh, it would be so interesting to see uh, the reaction of the stars coming out. Um, I know some of them, and I'm sure we'll be talking to them. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island Vibes. On 107.1 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Now here's your host, Frank McKay. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here. So much more importantly, Tom Hopper is our very special guest and uh, he is uh, wonderful. You know his work from Game of Thrones and uh, Billy Bones and Black Sails. He was just terrific there. And um, Percival, Sir Percival, and uh, Merlin and, and so much uh, so much else on his thing. The body of work is impressive, but the quality within the body of work is is even more impressive. A must watch for everyone is Love in the Villa, and I, you could uh, you could see it coming up this weekend on Netflix. Uh, it's a must watch for everybody. You guys, just absolutely terrific. Tom, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, man. How are you? I'm doing great. And if you can, give us a little uh, a rundown on Love in the Villa. Uh, well, a little rundown would be, well, it's a romantic comedy, uh, which I think everyone needs a little bit of in their life uh, at the moment. Uh, it's about a girl who, uh, she's a third-grade English teacher, and she's always teaching her kids about Romeo and Juliet and Verona. She's been obsessed with Romeo and Juliet and Verona her entire life, and she's planned this whole trip with her boyfriend. And... Uh, on the night before they're supposed to go, uh, Brandon, her boyfriend, breaks it off and doesn't want to be with her anymore because she's uh, too intense for him. 
And uh, she goes off to Verona on her own anyway. She decides to go. And everything's going wrong for her. She's losing her luggage. She's like, got babies being sick on her and all sorts of stuff. And she uh, she gets to Verona and to top it all off, the villa that she's supposed to be staying in is already inhabited by a tall, arrogant Englishman uh, by the name of Charlie, who I play. And they don't get on at all. They're polar opposites. He's very cynical. She's super romantic. And they, they're complete polarizers. So they start to try and oust each other from the villa, uh, which all goes a little bit pear-shaped. And, uh, and that's how the story sort of goes. And you can imagine the, how, it, how it ends up with, in a rom-com. <laughs> yeah, listen, my wife and I are watching it this weekend, and we're looking forward to it. Uh, is this a departure for you? I mean, uh, is this... Is this something that uh, that you've done more of in the past? And pardon my ignorance on that. I I, I don't think I've ever seen you in a rom com. So the only rom com I did, I did a uh, a movie called um, I Feel Pretty with Amy Schumer. Ah, right. Oh, and that was my first kind of introduction to it. Um, but I played like a supporting role in that. So this is my first like leading male in a rom com. And I have to say, I was very as you say, you know, like you'd not seen me or something like that, and I hadn't, I hadn't, I hadn't foreseen myself in something like this. So it was, it was a big challenge for me, and that's why I wanted to do it. You know, Mark Stephen Johnson, the writer director of the movie, approached me about the role and said, you know, I think you'd be great at this. And I was like, why do you think I'd be great at this? You don't see me do anything like this. Um, and he was like, no, 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 trust me, you can, you can definitely do this. So I, uh, I went in there and saw it as a challenge, you know, and I, I loved every second of it i had the best time shooting this movie um you know also my wife laura um got cast in the, in the movie as well she auditioned for one of the roles and mark was like she's great i want her in the movie so she uh she she's very very funny my wife she's a very good comedic actress so she she's playing uh this role of casting in the movie uh, so we got to do it together you know which is a huge special moment for me and my wife to do a movie together so that made it extra special. Yeah, you know, that's terrific. And listen, I agree. I agree with him. I, I think you'll be terrific in this. I'm really, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I, when you play complicated characters, and you've played a lot of comp complicated characters, some darkness in there, and, and you know, some heroic uh, folks in there, but I, when you play complicated characters, I assume that you, you could do anything, you know. And and again, I don't know. I don't know what the the character in, in Love in the Villa uh, is like from what you describe. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm sure there's some twists and turns there, and the personalities and and, and so forth. But uh, I it, do you find that to be true when you do. Uh, first of all, when you do Game of Thrones, I think you know a lot of people just automatically, um, uh, you know, want to want to include you in things. Black sales, the same thing. I, you know, the, you've been involved in shows that and and roles that I think are staying with people uh, for years and years. And I, you know, I think ten years from now, people are going to uh, look look at the, uh, the you know the role of Billy and uh, you know and and some of your other roles and uh, and see them as almost being new. But because you have this this body of work behind you and, and you know, some of the complicated roles, I imagine you're going to get more and more offers uh, for doing things that have really uh, probably never crossed your mind. Yeah, and you know what? That's the thing that I'm always looking for, right? Like, I'm always looking for new challenges. I'm always looking for something completely different. That's why... Um, 
the show that I'm currently on, Umbrella Academy, really appealed to me because it was superheroes that are flawed as people and they have all these problems like everyone does in real life. And it wasn't so much about them being superheroes, it was about who they are underneath the superhero and what problems you get from the challenges of being a superhero, the reality of that. And I'm always looking for some stuff like that. You know, I'm always looking for something completely different. Um, and, you know, you, I think the, to go back to what you were saying about, you know, like trying to find the nuances in different characters, all you can ever do is play the truth of that character's journey. You, whatever journey that person is on, that character you're portraying, all you can ever do is play their, their truth. And that's why I always look for, you know, like just try and be as truthful as possible and um, and do justice to the writing. You know, the writer has has delivered a character on the page and it's my job to give that character a beating heart and to put it into people's memories as a visualization of that, that original idea of that character. Before we let you go, let you, go. Uh, you know, I know it's, uh, we're talking about complicated characters. There's also complicated times, and, uh, you know, uh, because of that, uh, there's a lot of um, fluidness in the, uh, or fluidity, whatever the word is, in uh, in schedules. I don't know what uh, what you have coming up. You mentioned the Umbrella Academy. We'll be uh, pointing people to that, too, as we let you go. But anything else you have coming up in the next year? Uh, I don't know if, it's, uh, if your schedule's rock solid or if it's... Uh, if it's fluid because of the circumstances around. Um, give us an idea of what you're looking at for the rest of this year. Uh, well, the rest of this year, um, uh, there's a movie that I've just signed um, onto uh, now, which I'm about to shoot. I can't say what it is. It's not been announced yet, so they won't let me announce it. Yep. Um, but I'm shooting a movie uh, for the rest of this year. And then um, I'm actually starting to produce now as well. So I'm, there's a couple of movies that I'm doing uh, later, the end, the very end of this year, and then after Umbrella Season 4. Um, I Probably uh, just to give you, because I can't announce them yet, so <laughs> I'm kind of restricted slightly, but uh, some's in the comedy space, some is in the action comedy space, and some's in the probably more action thriller space. But the, the one sort of through line, particularly in the action uh, movies, is I think what's really important with action is that the, there is part the story that feeds the action. So the action becomes like a seasoning on top of the the truth of the story and the heart of the story, which is about the characters ultimately. So the movies that we're producing, that, that's what we're, we're looking for. So we're kind of doing the things that I've done in the past with the action, the comedy and all that stuff, but really bringing in um, with that, like the, what you talked about, the complicated characters and getting an audience to connect with those first. It's, it's really important. Hey, Tom, congratulations not only on, on loving the villa, but uh, also putting together a great career. Can you give us a, a website or a social media site that we could follow along with what you're doing? Um, the only one I'm really active on, I guess, is Instagram. Uh, Tom, Tom Hopper Hops is the name of my Instagram. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the only one I'm really sort of, I, I sort of mainly active on. Tom, we'll be watching this weekend. Thanks for being here. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Tom Hopper, everyone, has been our very special guest. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, you hear the British accent, right? And, uh, and you know, you're talking about Black Sails and Game of Thrones and, um, you know, uh, playing uh, playing Merlin. Uh, well, well, playing in Merlin. Um, and uh, what was that? Sir Percival. 
he uh, he played. But anyway, he's uh, he's uh, what did he have to do with Chris Helms uh, Hemsworth? Somebody mentioned him uh, that oh that he was uh, that body wise he he looks like Chris, uh, Chris Hemsworth who plays Thor right? So he's six foot five this guy and he's all cut up and he's shredded and. Um, he, uh, what the hell did, I was just looking at something. Um, you know, oh, a Viking Sea, Northman Viking Sea. I, I didn't, uh, 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 a Viking saga. I, I didn't see that, but they're, uh, they're pushing that. And I guess they, they said he looked like Chris Hemsworth. And if, uh, if you know, Chris Hemsworth is, right, he's a superstar at this point, but he plays Thor and he's, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's, he's ripped to shreds and, big guy six foot five and whatever so i you know you you're gonna when you look like that and you have a uh, you have a british accent and you can act uh, you're gonna get a, a, a lot of uh, heroic or, or dramatic uh, roles in all the anything that has a british accent you're gonna get some attention on but he's done a terrific job of building a career around uh, around his look and around his skill set and uh, yeah really a terrific actor i mean he's uh, he's done a great job with uh, with all of this, uh, a rom com for him. I, I remember after he said that about the Amy Schumer, but he wasn't. You know, he wasn't the the lead. He wasn't the male lead in it. I forget who the hell that was in that that Amy Schumer uh, movie. I, I saw that. And I saw that in the theaters. Um, anyway, Tom Hopper has been our very special guest. Love in the Villa on Netflix. It's uh, a rom com uh, date night uh, movie. But anyway, check out uh, some of his other stuff. But Love in the Villa is his latest. Uh, Tom Hopper has been our very special guest. Frank McKay signing off. We'll see you next time on Breaking It Down. In many ways, Long Island is the story of America. It's Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. Long Island is definitely the place for you. Now, here's your host, Frank McKay, on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. I'd like to welcome everyone to Breaking It Down. Frank McKay here with a terrific talent and I'll tell you you've seen him in, in, in Veep and of course uh, Arrested Development and, and just a long list of things uh, this is a must it's absolutely terrific uh, it's uh, it is called uh, Benedict's oh, hold on one one second here <laughs> hold on it is called the Mysterious Benedict Society it's on Disney Plus it is a must it is just debuted Tony Hale is with us but I'll tell you what if you have young folks uh, you must must watch his uh, his kids show my nephews and nieces absolutely flip out over it and it is called Archibald's next big thing and you know I know he's not talking about that but man they are <laughs> drilled and absolutely glued to the set when they uh, when they are watching this show it is absolutely terrific and and binge watch it with you know love it too Tony Hill how are you I'm good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, listen, thrilled to have you. And uh, listen, if you can give us a rundown of Benedict's, uh, it's it's terrific. But uh, give us a little rundown, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. It kind of takes place, well, it does take place when something called the emergency is going on, where it kind of sends everybody, has sent everybody into kind of the state of panic. And no one can kind of put their finger on where the source is coming from. So I played Mr. Benedict who gathers these four kids together to find the source. And what I love about it is these kids, they don't have magical powers, but their superpower is their intellect, their creativity, and their empathy. And they go out and find the source of the emergency, and it's come to find out the emergency is started by my twin brother, 
named Curtin, so I get the opportunity to play two characters, which is really fun. So it's it's a beautiful, really fun adventure show. I encourage everybody to see it. You know, and also, listen, it's uh, it, it, a good message there. It's Disney. When you see a script like this come in front of you, uh, you've got to think to yourself, hey, this is something people are going to be watching for generations and generations. It's it's evergreen, so to speak. And I, I don't know if that crosses your mind. You know, you've done so much. Maybe it's just a, a gig. But this is something that's uh, it's absolutely terrific. And I, I think uh, generations to come are going to like this. Yeah, I hope so. It's also pretty it was pretty timely when we when because I was excited to kind of to the, have the opportunity to play twin twins, which was fun. But then, when the pandemic hit and it was, you know, so much chaos and everybody's trying to find the truth and stuff, it was really kind of weird to do this. It was a weird parallel because the show talks about trying to find the truth and kind of rising above all the noise that we're surrounded by. And I was like, well, man, that's happening all around us right now. So it was kind of pretty surreal that way. Now, listen, you've uh, you got to look back on your career. You've got to be absolutely thrilled uh, with uh, with what you've done, the choices you've made and they and not only the body work, but the quality of work that goes along with it. I mean, you've won award after award and everything you could imagine. What's this year look like for you? I mean, we're coming out of a pandemic and, uh, you know, I imagine like, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, younger, uh, younger actors, boy, they really got slammed by uh, by it stopping. But maybe it was a set, you know, like a, a reset for, for guys like you and other veterans, you know, that, that have been at it. What does the rest of this year look like for you? Um, you know, I mean, I've been doing this for about 25 years and I get very used to the uncertainty of the business because you really never know what the next gig is. So it's always it's always a practice for me to try to be present because if I go to too much on the what if, like what if this happens, what if I don't work, it's kind of crazy making for me. But, I mean, it's always a challenge, and I'm, I'm just still taking it gig to gig, trying to focus on the simple things. Um, but it's it's tough. I will say the, the wild thing is I'm, I'm very grateful to have had this gig during the pandemic, but it was pretty wild because I, I we shot it in Vancouver, and I was away for five months, and I wasn't able to come back and forth. So that was pretty crazy but it was so i used to poo-poo technology like uh it's dividing us it's separating us but man facetime kept me so connected to my family so i'm i've turned a corner on technology yeah terrific also when i look at you you know i look at the list of credits you got i you know one of the questions i always uh, i always ask at least in my my mind is has there been anything over the years that you've passed on either because you've had just a conflict i mean you get a lot of work right so uh, there's there's a conflict and you just couldn't you couldn't work it out and you look back and say man if i would have taken that it would have been do you do you have anything that you passed on that stands out that you would share with us um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely things that I've passed on and it's, it's that kind of thing, like in the moment, cause you just kind of follow your gut a little bit where you're like, eh, this doesn't feel right in the moment. It's tough. I mean, I will say without saying certain titles, but it's like, it's tough because when you, as an actor, you're always looking for a gig and many times you can get kind of, you know, you get kind of mesmerized by just having a job or the money. And I got to have people around me to be like, nah, I don't know if this is right for you. And But in the long run, like down the road, I look at like, ah, oh, this is a good decision. But initially it's like, oh, it's always hard to say no to a gig because you're always so thankful to have the opportunity, you know? But yeah, I don't, no big titles that anybody would recognize that I've passed, but like here and there, I'll just kind of get a weird feeling in my gut sometimes. 
Well, listen, uh, congrats on the Mysterious Benedict Society. It's uh, absolutely terrific. I, You know, I said it kind of uh, flippantly, but I, I'm not kidding. My my nephews and nieces uh, are absolutely obsessed with Archibald's next big thing is here. Oh. Yeah, it uh, just great. I mean, is this something that you think you would do more of? Um, you know, the, the kids uh, programming because you created that, right? Did did you create it? Yeah, I yeah. My it started with a children's book years ago that I did with my buddy uh, Tony Biagni. And speaking of kind of not living in the what if, it talked a lot about how don't look to your next thing because you'll miss where you are. Yeah. And then that's when it became a show after the book and Archibald the chicken now sees everything like it's a big thing, but it was so fun, man. I, I had such a good time doing that show. It was a lot of work, but man, children's animation is just, it's very simple truths, but so fun. And I have such a new admiration for people, people that do animation. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Listen, I, what are your, what are your nieces and nephews names? I, I got uh, Pat uh, well, and Patrick, and I got yeah. uh, Casey, and I got uh, uh, Becca, and I got some folks, but, uh, you know, we got some little ones out there as well, uh, other little ones out there that, like, I got a, a good friend of mine who's, uh, whose son loves it. Uh, oh, my God. Braden, he absolutely loves this uh, this show. Uh, Archibald's so big, sweet. next big thing, and and loves Bluey, whatever the hell Bluey is, and that's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's a big thing. But he absolutely loves this guy. Braden loves Archibald's next big thing, but Bluey is a big, huge deal. Oh him. yeah, I've heard about Bluey. People love Bluey. That's yeah. a good one. Well, hey, listen, I, I know a lot of people are waiting to talk to you. Congrats on everything, on just an amazing career, Thanks, man. and still going strong. Uh, do you have a website or a social media site you want to uh, give us here? Uh, um, I guess I'm on Instagram, Mr. Tony Hale. That's my that's my my tag handle. I guess what the what the kids call it. Hey, thanks a million for being here, Tony. Thanks, Frank. I appreciate it. Tony Hale. Tony Hale, everyone. Wonderful, wonderful actor. He is. Um, uh, yeah, he's he's terrific. You know him from Buster on Arrested Development. I didn't want to ask him a lot of de- Arrested Development questions. I'm sure everybody asks him that. Well, Veep things like that and you know hopefully we'll get him for a longer period of time but what what a career he's put together and in 25 years you don't even realize 25 years it goes like that when arrested development came out um i I, you know i gotta believe he looked at that and saw ron howard and everyone else that was involved in it and said you know this is um this is going to be a big deal but uh, you know that that certainly changed his 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 life, his trajectory for his career. He was great, and I mean, absolutely great as Buster. In that, you know, they they talk about that show, but the first three seasons of that show is is just absolutely fantastic. It's can't miss TV, and not to put down the the rest of it, but I mean, the first three seasons of that is considered some of the best TV of all time. And, uh, you know, boy, it ended up dark. It ended up being very dark, but great. I think great all the way uh, throughout. You know, Ron Howard, anything Ron Howard's going to be involved in is going to be a um, uh, a absolute, absolute, uh, well, a chance anyway to be a smash. And you got to believe that. Uh, He was actually on The Sopranos. And I was just looking at R.N. Collins. I don't know where he was on The Sopranos. Isn't that funny? And, um... R.N. Collins, what a registered nurse, uh, Collins, R.N. Collins. Anyway, but 
just in looking at his resume, it's tremendous, tremendous. But, you know, you've seen his work. And this uh, this Archibald, if you have kids, check it out. He's created it. It's uh, it's absolutely terrific. And uh, and I'll tell you what, he's uh, he sounds like a great guy. First time I'm talking to him, but we'll talk to him again for a longer period of time. And uh, doing a lot of voiceovers. I mean, he, he does a lot. Um, he was Forky, right, Forky in the... Um, a Toy Story franchise, and you know, I think that just uh, up here, that character just just appeared. And we had John Ratzenberger on, you know, several times, and he does these voiceovers, and man, they get so much, you know, they get so much play on that. He's terrific at whatever he does. Drunk History, if you see him in Drunk History, uh, you know, again, he's uh, that is a great show. That I wish that was renewed. Uh, you know, I absolutely love that show, but it got canceled during the pandemic. One of the casualties uh, of that. But anyway, uh, check out his uh, check out his show, the um, Mysterious Benedict Society. And, you know, there's only a couple of episodes so far, but uh, he's you know, he's the, the main character in that. And, uh, you know, there's all these kids involved. The Disney movie, Disney Plus, has it. The Mysterious Benedict Society. Tony Hale, everyone, has been our very special guest. We'll see you all next time on Breaking It Down. He's breaking it down so you don't have to. This is Breaking It Down with Frank McKay on 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays.